I'm Jason Dees, and this is Covenant Equip. I'm sitting here with Ethan Van Arnum, who, of course, develops the curriculum here at Christ Covenant, and uh, so grateful for Ethan's hard work, uh, prayerful work that he puts into the curriculum that our life group leaders are leading our folks through. And, and if you're a life group leader listening to this, thank you for joining us. I just want to thank you for taking time, A, to listen to this podcast, but B, more importantly, to lead your group well. And the purpose of this podcast is to help equip you, uh, for you to just get into my head, to get into Ethan's head. We don't want you to just show up, be surprised with the sermons, be surprised with the curriculum. We, we want you to have a little context uh, with uh, how these things are being developed, and, and that's really what this whole podcast is all about. I, I am really excited about this next series that we have coming up, Ethan, Table talk. I think it's going to be really good for our church and I think really good for me personally. Yeah, we're really excited too. You know, I've been working on the curriculum and just getting that ready for the group leaders. But uh, to start off, really just wanted to pick your brain on a couple of questions, you know, so you can elaborate what's going on. First, can you just give us like a general walkthrough of how the series is going to go? So it's going to be four weeks, four sermons, and then, of course, the the fifth week is Easter, which is not really a part of this sermon series, but it's leading up to Easter. And I really just wanted to kind of get our church, our folks, and myself included, kind of outward-facing, to be an outward-facing body through this time, and to realize ultimately who we have been called to be in Christ. We have been given, Ethan, not just you and me as pastors— but we, the church, we, the sons and daughters of the living God, we, the followers of Christ, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Those who have been reconciled to God, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been called to be ambassadors for the kingdom of Christ. That is our chief identity, and it's our chief mission in this life. I feel like, Ethan, a lot of Christians, A, don't see themselves that way, B, don't feel equipped to be ambassadors for Christ. And really, that's something that's very central to who we are at Christ Covenant. We want our church to be equipped to be kingdom ambassadors. We talk about some things that we'll be talking about in this series a lot that we talk about a lot is gospel fluency, knowing the gospel, how to apply it to our lives and and to the world around us, and kingdom ambassadors, who we've been called to be as followers of Christ, as ambassadors for His kingdom. So you want to kind of walk through the flow of the series? Yeah, go ahead and touch on that, uh, just kind of how it relates even with Gospel Kingdom Mission. Yes, four four sermons, as I mentioned. First uh, week, we're really going to talk about who you are, church member, and who I am and who the pastors are. So who are you? Uh, You're a saint. You're an ambassador. You've been given the Ministry of Reconciliation. Pastors are called to equip you uh, and encourage you in that role. I think we have this mentality, Ethan, in the 20th century church that the job of the church member is give, be a greeter, and bring your friends to church, right? Yeah. You know, give, serve somewhere, and bring somebody, and then the professional, he's going to do the ministry. I was listening to, I was a part of a discussion about a year ago with a bunch of guys. These are, these are mature Christians. These yeah. are, these weren't just like new Christians or anything. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, some particular people that just didn't want to go to church. And someone said, 
well, if we can't get them to go to church, how are we ever going to reach them with the gospel? Right. And I think it shows this mentality of the only place that people can come to know Jesus, the only people that, place that people can grow in Jesus is, you know, at 1030 on a Sunday morning within the four walls of a church building, right? Yeah. Which is totally an unbiblical uh, understanding of what the church is, of what our role as Christians are. We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors all the time. The church is no less the church when it's scattered as it is when it's gathered. The church is not an event. The church is not a worship service. The church is a living organism of believers, of followers of Jesus Christ. Sometimes they're gathered together. Most of the time they're scattered together. And so I just want to nail that down. And I know you're thinking like, I've heard this, but I just feel like we can't hear that enough because we're unwinding like 25 years of bad preaching in some cases of, of an unbiblical kind of man-centered church programmatic centered method of disciple making. And, and I, obviously I want Christ's covenant to be unwound for that. And then the, the other three weeks, then we're going to hopefully spend time equipping people how to do that. We're going to be in Colossians chapter four. We're going to be equipping them on how to pray. How do you pray for a lost world, particularly your unchristian friends, your, your, your friends that don't know the Lord. Secondly, how do you understand the outsiders? What is their worldview? How are they thinking? How are they processing the world? How do you start conversations with them? And then third, uh, how do you actually begin speaking gospel truth to them? Uh, so it's going to be a good—it's it's practical. I think it's a pretty practical sermon series. The first week, as I said, is a little more philosophical. Weeks two through four, more practical. Right. Uh, kind of along that same vein, uh, you know, we all have heard you say uh, it's not about professional ministry. All of us are to go out. Uh, and so for our group leaders, I thought it would just be a good question. Like, could you briefly show us maybe how we can teach people in our group that really everyone is supposed to be part of the ministry? Yeah. I mean, again, I think it begins, as I said, with sort of a redefinition of what does it mean to be a church member? What does it mean to be a Christian even? And so I would just encourage group leaders to just help your your folks understand uh, what Jesus has called them to do. He has given them, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, he has given them the ministry of reconciliation. And wherever they are, whatever they're doing, that is not an accident. You don't have a secular or public life and a private Christian life. That's what the secular world tries to do, right? Even notice some of the language, and, and people have heard me talk about this, but but some of the language recently is freedom of worship, right? What does that mean? That means when you're in a private place behind closed doors, you can worship God, or if there is a God, however you want to worship him. That's not what Christ has called us to. He's called us to be his followers, not just during a worship service, but all the time. And how does the echoes and the rhythms of Christianity reflect you through your life? And so I think, first of all, just understanding who you are in Christ. And then I think, secondly, it's it's applying the gospel to the various situations that you find yourself in. And I think that's one of the things we're asking our group leaders to do all the time, one of the things that you and I as ministry leaders in the church, as pastors in the church are doing. We're helping the church apply the gospel uh, to their lives. And then I think thirdly is just having a burden for people who are really lost. I mean, that is a—I mean, think about this, Ethan. I mean, this is something we don't talk about enough, but 
nine-tenths of the people that live in this city, in all likelihood, for with the best information we have, will one day face the judgment of an almighty, all-righteous God without the grace and the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And, and that is because they many of them have never really been discipled. They've really never heard the gospel. They really heard the gospel. And there's a difference between hearing about Christianity and hearing the gospel. That's And that's something I think, you know, group leaders can be clear about too. Your next door neighbor that grew up in a Methodist church and hasn't been to church in years, he may have never heard the gospel. We shouldn't assume that he has. Or even, you know, he grew up in a Baptist church or a Catholic church. I'm not trying to Pick right. a Methodist. That's why yeah. uh, gospel clarity is so important. That's right? right. That's right. He may have grown up with moralism. He may have grown up with some sort of sacramentalism. He doesn't really know that before the foundation of the world, God uh, decided to love him as a son or a daughter, that sent his own son Jesus to rescue him or her, and is is calling him, is wooing him back to himself, uh, you know, through faith, by the gospel message, just through faith in Jesus. And, and I think that's what we obviously want this, this world to know. And uh, I hope that every one of our church members, I mean, I think my point here, point number three, is that they would have a burden for people that don't know them. If you really have a burden, if you really believe that Jesus comes back today and all of these people that I live around all the time are going to face his judgment, if you really believe that, if you really think about that, it'll change the way you interact with them. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... You know, but yeah, I mean, I think that's what we're trying to do with this whole series is get the people off the bench into the game. Yeah. And so one of the things you also said you're going to unpack uh, was kind of talking about how we relate to outsiders. Uh, and particularly those verses talk about the necessity of good character and gracious speech. And I just thought it would be beneficial to kind of talk about, you know, how can we can really encourage and equip the people in our groups to really just live that out and put it in action? Well, yeah, I think that's a good uh, that's a good analogy. That's a good question. I, I do think it gets back to seeing yourself as an ambassador. Are you really an ambassador for Christ? Are, is what your the people around you, your coworkers, your neighbors, is what they're going to know about Jesus and His Church? Uh, is that flowing from you? And the, the answer is, of course, yes. And so, uh, do you see yourself chiefly? in your neighborhood, in your workplace, as an ambassador for Christ right. uh, and helping our folks understand that. And I think that will dramatically change the way you approach outsiders. And I'm not saying don't be genuine. You know, I, I don't want you to be genuine. I, 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 want, I just think if you meditate on that fact that you are Christ's representative, it'll just change. If you're really a Christian, if the Spirit of God's in you, it'll change the way you behave. Right. So, and so kind of the group leader, as that happens to them, becomes almost the example to the rest of the people, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I think group leaders definitely need to be an example. Um, but I think they also have an instruction role, too. I mean, it, obviously, everybody in your group doesn't have the privilege of seeing you live all the time. But right. as you model Christian living and kindness and love and self-sacrifice in your group— that'll certainly have an effect on the people in your group. Yeah. Uh, so going back to your points, uh, one of the ones you also talked about was prayer. And that's perhaps the most important thing we can do is pray for these people and these opportunities. Uh, and I was just wondering, based on your life, what are just some you know practices and uh, habits you've put in place to pray for these people and opportunities? Well, one of the things that we're going to be doing that I'm really excited about 
is we are going to be giving you uh, a table talk card, super practical. In fact, the second week of the curriculum, we're going to be encouraging you as group leaders to take the table talk guide and the table talk card and to have your people fill it out. And basically, it's a card that you fill out and stick in your wallet and you write down three names on it, three names of people that I would say you regularly interact with that you want to see come into a relationship with Christ. You want to be a part of their disciple-making process. And so you're going to be all about engaging with them, helping them uh, come to know the Lord, come to faith in Christ, or, or, or take a step further as they become disciples. And, and having just a little card that you carry around. I mean, I'll be honest, Ethan, I've done this in my life, and if uh, it's a card, I'll just keep it in my wallet. Of course, it doesn't, I don't even, you know, like pull it out and read it all the time, but I just see it. You know, so I think sometimes, I think a great place to put it, a very good place to put it is behind your primary credit card. Good and point. Every time you pull out your primary credit card to pay for something, you'll see that card and it'll remind you right there, I need to pray for person A, B, and C. Um, so that's going to be a very practical tool. You know, other tools, I think, you know, if you want to be very systematic about this, um, again, I just think having lists, listing the people in your office place, listing the people in your neighborhood when you sit down for your morning quiet time, just pray through that, work your way through that list. Prayer walking in your neighborhood, I think, is a very effective thing to do. And then and then creating reminders for yourself, I think, is another, uh, you know, there, there may be somebody that you're praying for uh, and you associate a number with them uh, or maybe a color with them or maybe a place with them. So every time you drive past that place, you know, pray for so-and-so. This is not about evangelism, but, you know, for example, I just had a friend at Shepherd Center. A lot of y'all know that. Every time I drove past Shepherd, I would pray for him. Um, again, it was seeing a place. And you can attach places and numbers. When I remember I was in high school praying for my football teammates, every time I would see one of their numbers, I would pray for them. And I'm saying, like, if I had a friend who was number 80, if I saw you know, the number 80 on a road sign or something, I would pray for my buddies. Right. And so those triggers. Yeah. So create some triggers in your life. Uh, but I do think that this, even just the intentionality, this is so simple, but the intentionality of writing down three names and keeping your wallet will change it if you've never really done this before. Well, those are good questions, Ethan. I'm excited about, you know, we, I just talked about the second week why don't you kind of run through what are the weeks going to be? I walked through the weeks of the sermon series, reminding people of who they are, reminding people of the role of the pastor, encouraging people, um, you know, the second week, uh, encouraging people to be filled with prayer, to, to really pray, as we just talked about. The third week, encouraging people to understand the outside work world. The fourth week, uh, encouraging people just with some gospel tools. How does the curriculum line up with that? Right. And so one important thing to remember is just the fact that this curriculum is actually only going to be three weeks long because after the last sermon, we have Easter and we're giving you guys a break for travel or for whatever else needs to be done there. Uh, so we're actually only going to have three lessons coming out for that. The first one is really going to line up with Jason's sermon and really just explore that uh, question of who we are. Because if we don't know who we are, how can we tell anyone else? about what God has done, about the identity that he has put inside us. And I think that's, it's basically the lab of the lecture that they're going to be hearing on Sunday. Just some time yeah. to process that. 
it's time for them to be able to discuss it, to unpack it, and to kind yeah. of even look at their own life to make sure that they've really put their identity there. Uh, in the second week, we'll actually be filling out the cards that we were talking about. And that's great because it gives you, again, that intentional focus of filling out the three names, of really thinking about it. And particularly because you'll be doing it in a group, it gives you people who you're accountable to. You know, people that can ask you each week, you know, have you talked to them? Are you praying for them? And that would be a good thing even like to just split your group up and have like a couple of people pray over those three or four names just yeah. in the groups. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually one of my suggestions. <laughs> Ethan. Uh, and then lastly. You're always ahead of me. Lastly, we'll be uh, looking at just kind of the practical how-to of evangelism. I mean, a lot of us know the gospel, but sometimes when you're in a conversation, it's just hard to articulate it. And so we're just going to give some practical tools that really help you to remember how to say the gospel simply and how to walk through it. One of those is actually called the Three Circles, and it even comes with an app you can download. And it's just really simple process of looking at brokenness, looking at the world the way it was supposed to be, and looking at how Christ restores us from brokenness to the way creation was. And so these little tools are just, you know, they're easy to remember. They don't take like a PhD to understand, and they have room built in that you can personalize it. So how, uh, I think this is a good question to think about. How can the groups keep one another accountable, encourage one another, stir one another along uh, to not, you know, we, we're using the word evangelism here, and I certainly don't mind the word evangelism. What does evangelism mean? It means sharing the good news. But to, to see themselves as ambassadors in general, right? part of that is evangelism. How can groups do that? I mean, we mentioned earlier group leaders being a good model of that. Yeah. How else can groups help uh, one another live out the life of a kingdom ambassador. Right. And so the nice part is, uh, you know, we have the tools and the resources we've listed between the cards uh, and just kind of these practical evangelism tools. But really the biggest thing uh, is that accountability. Uh, just the fact that you'll be writing down those three names in this group and that you really should take that time uh, to either break up into smaller groups or just pray over it entirely, to pray over those three people each week that you meet. And, you know, it might be even a good practice as just if you're, as you're creating culture for your group to just the first thing you do in the group say, okay, anybody, you know, now we're going to give you some, we're giving you some language to use here to just say, hey, is, did anybody have a table talk this week? Right. Uh, did anybody have a table talk? And let me give a little explanation to that. Uh, the, one of the big takeaways on this is we're not even really encouraging you. Like this is, we're stepping so far off the like confrontal evangelism train that some of you guys were used to. What we're just saying is, is there any rhythm in your life at all that is intentional about connecting with lost people with the hope that they would come to faith in, in Jesus. Yeah, I mean, when you think about an ambassador, they represent their nation. When they come to another country, I mean, people know they don't belong there in that sense. Yeah. And, you know, they're interested to know what the difference is, what your culture is like. And so if you actually live out the gospel and really walk well among outsiders, it causes them to ask those questions to wonder what it is that's different, and it opens that opportunity. And the nice thing really about these focuses is it's not just 
you know, accosting a random stranger and trying to sell them the gospel, but really building in relationships, people that you see every day who see your and life. And I'm not even talking about like just with the intentionality of sharing the gospel with them, though obviously that's the greatest thing you could yeah. ever do for any person. But is there any space in your life that you're intentionally building relationships with non-believers, yeah. even if it takes you a little while to get into a gospel conversation? Yeah, I mean, you may get to the point like your coworker knows what you believe and he's maybe even heard you give the gospel, but you guys are still friends even though he hasn't decided to become a Christian. And you're right. still that good right. example. Exactly. You're still his friend and you're loving him. And you're being not... intentional about being his friend. Yes. Yeah. And I think Christians are so prone to isolationism yeah. that they they only are really friends with other Christians. Yeah, unfortunately, we have a habit of living in a bubble. That's right. And and that's not just true of people like us that obviously work in a church. Yeah. I mean, even in co-working environments, people don't really befriend the non-believers in their environment. And yeah. I know some people say, I've heard people say, well, I can't hang out with them. You know, they go after work. They do these things that, you know, they do these things that aren't godly or whatever. But you can hang out with them. I mean, everybody eats lunch. Everybody wants a coffee yeah. break. Everybody eats breakfast. Everybody's interested to sit down with you for a little while. And so maybe you don't hang out with them all the time. Maybe they're not your best friend. But, you know, I think they could be. I think they yeah. could be a really, really good friend. You know, I... um. You know, I have a couple of these things in my life where where we're just intentional about doing things because there's a lot of non-believers there. You know, and one one of the things, for example, is Paige and I have Monday night dinner, uh, and so every Monday night we try to invite somebody over to our house, and you know, it's not always somebody that's not a believer, but but we try to make it to where it is. In fact, tonight we got a guy coming over. I know he's not a believer, and. Um, you know, I'll try to have conversations, you know, with him. But but more importantly, we're creating space in our lives where we're connecting with non-believers, giving at least the Holy Spirit an opportunity uh, for the sake of the gospel. So yeah. that's what we're calling a table talk. Now, bringing this all back around, we've gotten way off subject here. <laughs> but th bringing this all back around, I think a great place to start your groups is just to say, who had a table talk this week? Yeah. You know? Because it doesn't have to mean who led someone to faith in Christ this week. I mean, it's just who had a table talk this week. That's a yeah. good point of accountability. And just having that ability to share, you know, how those conversations went, what went on. You know, people like to hear what happens. And as a group, we can encourage each other through those conversations. So if you talk to somebody, it was a particularly difficult conversation. You know, everybody in that group can encourage you on different things. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. Lift you up. And at the same time, like if you do have that conversation and someone comes to Christ, I mean, that gives you the opportunity to really rejoice with the whole group over what God has done in that situation. And, you know, it's hard in a lot of those conversations, too. Like those conversations are hard on multiple levels, especially when people really start challenging you. And a lot of times people's worldviews are so wacky, yeah. especially in this postmodern culture that you just get mad. You know, that's something I have to deal with is just not – and this is kind of unfair. I mean, because I think about worldview and yeah. philosophy and theology a lot, I'm not worried about them making me feel like an idiot as much as I'm worried about making them feel like an idiot. And I don't try to say – please don't hear that in an right. arrogant way, but I can win the argument, if you will – and lose the person. And yeah. so the accountability of a group is really good for a guy that's just starting in his faith. 
and doesn't have a lot of answers, it's also really good for a guy like me who, you know, has shared his faith a lot in his life, but, um, you know, still is learning people and learning yeah. how to be gentle and learning how to give an appropriate answer at an appropriate time. So, yeah. And I think that's really important is just the idea of, you know, we are called to have an answer, but at the same time, like when you think about most interactions you have with people, when it really comes down to the line, the reason they reject God is not as logical as they'd like to claim. Usually it's something like a past hurt in their life or a sin that they don't want to give up. And so in their mind, they justify that there can't be. They've got some excuse that in their mind is logical. You hear it and you're like, that's the crazy thing I've ever heard because it's anchored in something that they really don't want to talk about. Yeah. And so remember that like when you have the conversations, people may get very defensive even or argumentative, but you know, we have to try and be gracious. And I think that's, part of that command a lot of people ignore is, you know, it's not just give a defense for the faith, but to do so graciously, which is hard in some situations. Well, Ethan, you know what it's time for? It's tip of the day. It's time for the tip of the month. month the right. tip of the month, Ethan. <laughs> well, you don't you don't get a tip every day at Christ's Covenant, but you do get one. You do get one every month. So here's the here's the group leader tip of the month. And I think this one again all of these are so simple, uh, but this is very important. This is going to seem, group leaders, this is going to seem redundant and ridiculous, but I think that it's very, it's, it's what you should do. You really need to correspond with your group via email, text, phone call every week. I, I really believe that. I mean, every week I send my uh, little groups. I have a men's group and a Tuesday night group. And, you know, I need to kind of refresh, I need to refresh some of my email list, but I send an email that says, hey, we're meeting tonight, 6.30, you know, we always have dinner, we're having this for dinner, and this is what we're going to be talking about, we can't wait for you guys to come. Yeah. It takes me 35 seconds to write that, and all I do is I cut and paste that, and then I also apply it to the text message thing. Now, I know you're thinking, Ethan, Jason... You have this. You have your group every week at the same time, at the same place. Why do these people need all of this correspondence? And I'm telling you, it may just be me, but if I don't send it, people are like, ah, oh, we had a group tonight. They just forget. They yeah. just forget. So I think regular correspondence. Now, some people, maybe you're responding more than that. You're responding to prayer needs. You're, you know, you're doing a lot of things. And I think all of that's great. But just, I think group leader, you need to be in some way sending an email, a text to all of your group members, not just the people that came last week, but all the people that are associated with your group every single week. That'll keep them engaged. Hopefully it'll keep them coming. And uh, that's obviously, this is one of the most important parts of their lives. Anything to add to that? Well, I'd actually like to give a shout out to Mr. Fulkerson because he makes sure really to follow up by text every week and kind of let you know whether or not, you know, group is going or not. Because sometimes we kind of drop the ball on that. But, you know, he also just, you can tell based on the text that he's actually excited that you're going to come. You know, I, uh, uh, we've been actually talking about Bradley today, and I've been saying his name backwards. Yeldarb Nazrekloff. That's a good name, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, great shout out to Bradley Fulkerson or Yeldarb Nazrekloff. And for Ethan Van Arnum, I'm Jason Dees. This has been Covenant Equip. Thanks for listening.